0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from TheEthicalPanda.com.
1: And I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Real Film Podcast.
0: And today we're talking about Minute 102, which begins with The Scientist's Three looking up at the sky and ends with a slow pan up to the upside-down world of Asgard very similar to what we got in the beginning exposition of the movie. Joining us on the show today is every day this week is Will Freeland from the hype is my superpower podcast. Uh, Will, you mentioned that you are a comics guy. Um, what got you into comics, especially
2: into Marvel? Ooh, good question. Um, what got me into comics? Um, I think honestly, Saturday morning cartoons, uh, growing Uh up watching, uh, the Batman animated series, Spider-Man animated series, X-Men, all that kind of stuff. Um, and the uh real life parallels between the uh what the characters go through in the comics and um life. And I really uh uh identified with the story of Peter Parker. Not necessarily that my parents are dead and I'm raised by my uh aunt and uncle, but um <laughs> just the uh this, the uh the Spider-Man story is very much it's equal parts peter parker as it is spider-man whereas a lot of other stories focus more on the hero and not the civilian side and um mm. the struggle between the two uh gets highlighted a lot in amazing spider-man and uh i, ch- I have a hero in a big brother complex and uh so that just resonated with me uh growing up
0: nice nice yeah well we'll definitely have a lot more to say about that and a lot more right after this
1: You want to get in on the conversation with other Marvel fans over on Facebook? Well, join our Facebook group, the Marvel Movie Minute Podcast Executive Lounge. Go to truestory.fm slash marvelmovieminute and just click on the Facebook link. It's that easy.
0: Okay, so I made a brief reference to it yesterday, but we didn't talk about the fact that yesterday's minute ended with a silhouette of a man, complete mystery who it could be. The fact that he's got a haircut and a silhouette fairly similar to a uh, uh, scientist Eric, uh completely coincidental. But today we do find out it is Eric and and we get it's it's basically we're going back to Eric Jane and Darcy. You know, we we saw them when Thor flew away, watching the sky, watching the something happening in the sky with the Bifrost, and now they're just looking kind of sad and contemplative, and 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 Jane is saying, "Uh, it's gone. They're they're gone." What what, what do you get out of this moment here? Cause it's a it's a very powerful moment, especially with the music and them just kind of staring at this beautiful su- sunset kind of a scene happening. What what's going on in this moment?
1: And we just get their backs, which, you know, right. really is just like this. Uh, we're at the end of things, you know, and it's it's it is kind of a, a, a sad thing. We've left, you know, this magical world behind. In fact, we're seeing kind of the clouds above them, uh, the, the remnants of what had been there disappearing. And because uh, last time it was this giant foreboding thing over their head. Um, and uh, now it's just nothing. And you get the, that beautiful magic hour sunset. Uh, which is just i mean it's it's really a stunning shot and this whole minute is virtually one shot except for we we have one cutaway to to jane's face but otherwise it's the it's you know this whole shot there's a little bit of effects at the end of it but i mean it's it really is like a very patient um mid guardian goodbye is kind of what we have here and it's um uh, it's with Patrick Doyle's that just simple piano version of Thor's theme. That's very melancholic. It just—it's a very kind of a heartbreaking little moment we have here.
2: Yeah, I, <laughs> um, fo- I guess focusing on the beginning of the minute, uh, having only been introduced to these characters for part of one movie, um, it was nice. They kind of got their own little like moment. Darcy, like, kind of looks down and walks off, kind of just like, man, you know, we missed our cool mia-mia stuff. Uh, I guess guess back to (laughs) being a scientist, I'll walk away. Selvig has this, like, kind of, like, father figure, I'm so sorry for the pain you're about to go through, look to, to Jane, and then he walks off, and then we have Jane just, like, as distraught as someone as elegant as Natalie Portman can look, (laughs) And, uh, and then, you know, she starts to walk off. It's a smooth, quiet, uh, minute.
0: Yeah. One of the things I love most, just kind of going through it bit by bit. Darcy is always the one with a snappy comeback. You know, Darcy is that person who just always has, she'll sometimes say something like kind of sweet or empathetic, but mostly she's the, I'm going to tell a joke to try and break the tension. And to me, especially, she kind of fidgets before she walks away and then, and then walks away. I thought that was just such a good way of conveying just how sad a moment this is for, for them, but especially for Jane. The, 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 this is her realizing, I don't have something I can say at this point, And it just makes her so uncomfortable as she walks away. And it's, it, it's funny how you get just like three seconds of a character from the back conveying that. But I totally think that's conveyed.
1: It's interesting. I'm glad that you said that because that's uh, with her fidgeting the way she does kind of with her hat and her hair and her stuff. It did make me feel like there's something like she's uncomfortable about something. um, And I, I didn't quite put my finger on it the way that you just did. But I think that's exactly it. It's like she's the one who always has something to say and here she just doesn't and so she's just fidgeting because she doesn't know what else to do and it's it's a great little moment that we see with her that I think fits really well in her character and uh, before she walks away and I, I love that bit with her
2: absolutely
0: and then I think Eric as you said Will it's a kind of fatherly concern like he looks at her for a second and then just kind of walks away and I, and I think it's a kind of nice like he whereas Jane always has the snappy thing Eric almost always has either the word of caution or the word of empathy. And I think he also is realizing like there's just nothing he can say right now and kind of giving Jane that space to have her own moment is what's going to make the most sense.
1: And they keep this so simple, and that's something that I, I really love about this. Um, I, I can't remember, one of our guests had talked about in the comics how at some point the Bifrost had been destroyed, and it was like across all the realms, it was like this this kind of raining rainbow sort of stuff that was kind of, you know, across all the realms. They could see that. And even in the script, they wrote the Bifrost energy explodes in the sky like fireworks firing in all directions, we don't get any of that and i think it's so much simpler and cleaner the way it is just like the clouds dissipate and that's it it just it it's so much simpler and it doesn't need to have that complexity and i get on the comic page it makes for something a little more interesting to look at but here it's like this you get it. You get that this bridge has been severed and there's this, there's this kind of uh, emptiness that is left. And I think that's, especially in context of Jane and her relationship with Thor. I think that's, what's so important here is that it's empty now. I guess it, we,
2: it's worth kind of talking out that, you know, from, you know, the scientist three, I love the title scientist three, by the way, but um, <laughs> I, from, from the scientist three's perspective, like, you know, you just met, now you know five four other uh asgardians they all go off on this magical Bifrost thing but that entire time the Bifrost has been open and Thor is like I will be right back you know I will come find you blah 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 and your only connection now to these Asgard aliens are is this tornado rainbow thing coming down onto the ground and then when that goes and that that storm goes away, you have no idea what ha- why this is happening. What happened? Uh, like, I can't even imagine, like, sitting at a train station and a train never comes back.
0: Yeah, I think it's such a good way of putting it. And I think I, I love what you're saying about kind of the connection they built, because you remember the start of this movie – Even, like, after she hits him with a car twice, like, Jane's main interest is still, like, proving her theories correct. And and Eric's is, like, helping her but also protecting her. All three of them have now realized, like, they have hit the pinnacle of their scientific research. Everything that they've been studying has been proven true. And granted, some of the access to more evidence has been destroyed. But but to me, I feel like what this really gets at from Jane especially but also for all three of them is – it has become personal for that. Yeah. And now like they have everything they thought they wanted scientifically, but they formed this real connection with this man. Three different kind of connections and, and it's just heartbreaking to lose that.
1: It does it does speak to how do they know that this isn't just the Bifrost closing as opposed to the Bifrost being destroyed and and completely inaccessible now? Because I, I that definitely kind of comes up in the next film as like, why why did you take so long to come back sort of of stuff um so it there is an element of that you know does do they i mean i i like i feel like when jane says it's gone and the way that everything is played here that they they read this as this is different than what we've experienced before it really feels like
0: yeah
1: something has has broken and and it's not going to work again um but it does make me wonder like mm-hmm. what about it does seem different to them specifically and you know i I don't think it's in the film necessarily but you know it it is one of those things like why does this feel different for them you know
0: i think part of it for me also because i I read your note in the notes and i was thinking about you're right we didn't see we didn't see what they saw that led them to leave It, it broke and so my first reaction is of course i want to see that but then i started thinking about what would that look like as much as there's sort of a moment here where you're not sure why they feel that, i could I can't imagine anything they can show in the sky that would be definitive proof that wouldn't just look so cheesy and ridiculous. <laughs> like i I don't know how they could do that in any kind of a way. And so I sort of feel like it's a little bit of a punt to not show it, but i but I think it it, it, it would make a better it makes a better movie to do it that way.
2: yeah, it makes it more poetic, yeah. i imagine I imagine the rainbow light flickering. And then closing, as opposed to just like coming up, I guess. But th- it would make it look like a, a lamp. So may- maybe, maybe just do it the way they did.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's hard to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Around like thirty seconds in, when when Jane starts to walk back, there's one difference that I don't know if they're doing a symbolism thing or not, but like throughout the movie, every time they see the. They're like runic symbols on the ground. They treat it like um, holy ground that they don't do anything other than like maybe touch it with their fingertips and like they want to preserve it the best they can. But then in this scene, they just walk right through it going back to the van. Oh, and it's kind nice. of like a closing of that chapter symbolism type thing. I don't know. It could just be, all right, in the script, you guys just walk back. <laughs> but um, in case... Uh, Branagh wanted to portray that at all. It has been noticed by at least one guy. And (laughs) uh, (laughs) I did think that was kind of there was like a different it shows like a um, uh, they're viewing this stuff in this chapter of their lives differently. Like it's closed now. Especially because
1: I mean, when we do cut to that close up of Jane, she's looking down like she is looking at the the markings on the ground. She's not looking up to the sky to kind of look at where Thor went. She is looking at those marks, and so i i i i think that you're right. i i'm, I'm i bet that they had a conversation about it. no, walk right over it. Earlier, you were like at the very beginning of the film. She's like, don't step on it. We got to preserve this, all of that. And here, it's just like. It's it. They know what it is, and it's like it, it's closed now. And so I that may be the the element that most says um we understand that this is broken now, and it can't be brought back. So
0: yeah, I'm so glad you. Po- I, I somehow was thinking that they were. I knew they were all on the edge, but somehow I thought they were like it was all behind them, so they were walking away from it. I didn't realize they were walking over it. But I think it. Yeah, it underscores all the sense of how different they are from the start of the movie. I I do now need to break up though because I think this is a wonder. I think this is a wonderfully poignant twenty five seconds or so, and then a wonderfully poignant another fifteen seconds or so. But the shot to her face, like I, I agree with you, it's it's it's. She is such an elegant looking person. She's gorgeous. She's a very powerful actress. This shot to me is so bad because it, I, there's something about the angle of it that like um, I don't know. It, it just I think mostly it's the fact that, like, her, her eyelashes take up, like, a fifth of the shot. Like, they're just – I've never been more <laughs> aware of someone wearing a lot of mascara than I was in that shot. And, like, I think uh, – Annie, you noticed something weird about her eyebrows. Like, it just – it felt like – that shot does not convey the sense that I think it, it, it was meant to, at least not to me.
1: Uh, yeah, the 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 angle of it, it, it throws her left eyebrow up at kind of a funny – Angle and so it looks uh, it looks like it 's going higher over her eye than it normally would, and so yeah, it just everything seems a little off, and so I agree with you it 's like and, and i I appreciate the Dutch angles, I know braun has been using them throughout the whole film, and I you know to a point that that you made way back uh, you know the the Dutch angle throws off kind of that stability for the character, and so in context of Jane. Right now, it absolutely makes sense to kind of use the Dutch angle here. It's just this particular angle just doesn't feel quite right, and I, I wish that they had found a different way to kind of approach that.
0: Definitely, yeah. Just the the eyelashes—I just don't get it. I don't get why that was the. Yeah, focus.
2: that might be yeah. the reason why um, it didn't land for me. But yeah, like I know she's trying to look really sad. It just didn't—it didn't really land for me. I didn't know why, but maybe that's what it is. Yeah.
0: Um, Okay. So then she does start walking away too. And I I will say, um, I I had in my notes, where in the world are they going? Like, it it was that kind of sort of the Guardians of Galaxy moment of, okay, we're all standing up. (laughs) We're all idiots standing up in a circle now. And and I sort of, I I didn't see the Pimsgauer in the corner. And so I thought I was going to have a moment like, okay, they're all just walking, but why? Where are they going? But then, (laughs) Andy, you helped me see that... at the bottom left of the screen, we do see the actual Pims gower. So I guess this is there. Right. Just we're done. We're heading back. And it's time to time to go home.
1: Heading back, I guess, to have a conversation with uh, Agent Colson, who presumably didn't bother following and just is sitting back at Smith Motors, waiting for them to come back. Mm-hmm. Strangely, really. but yeah, <laughs> I just have to point out while while we're looking at this shot. The, the magic hour lighting of this shot absolutely makes me think of the Eternals like this, like the movie poster and everything like this is like, I expect those 10 characters to all of a sudden follow behind Jane as they're walking. Cause it just, it looks like the exact same setup and lighting.
0: Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. So we get to then the kind of the, the minute ends with the, a very similar parallel to what we did at the beginning with a kind of shot up towards Asgard. And, I will say I appreciated something because we were joking about, like, it looks like you can just jump really high. At first, I thought it was that the clouds at the top of the sky are the bottom of Asgard. And I was going to say, that, that seems – that's almost the, like floating over Oklahoma stuff you were talking about, Will. <laughs> but here at least we get there's clouds, then there's a bunch of space, and then there's another set of clouds. What's the significance, though? You think of of repeating that shot from the beginning of the of the movie, of like again that sort of pan all the way up from Midgard to Asgard.
2: I mean, I feel like that kind of just they're just portraying, conveying that like you know Asgard is not is never too far off. Kind of a, like you know they're not they're not so different from us. They just have advanced science that we call magic. Like I I, I think I think they're trying it kind of sh- okay. It's an easy transition shot um that's used everywhere um and uh it's it's good enough, I like it, but I think the choice to do that as opposed to a panning to the left or right or just a like star swipe <laughs> or any sort of other transition um I think is just showing you know, hey, look, Asgard is right there, uh. The, the, we see them as gods, but they are just as human as you and I, quote unquote. Also bookends the movie.
1: Exactly. And in, in cinematic language, I, mean, I think there's definitely something with that kind of that repeated um, moment that we have that just kind of brings that connection back together that we saw earlier and now we see it again. And uh, and it's nice. I mean, it's it's nice effects and it's just a, it's a nice way to kind of just... Uh, as you said, it 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 keeps that connection between these two realms. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, a nice little moment.
0: Very powerful. All right. I think that's about all that I had for the moment. Any other last things from either of you?
1: No, this is a – I mean, it's a beautiful, simple minute. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's very powerful. I think with with to me the glaring exception of that shot, I guess Shannon it would take you out. But otherwise, yeah, it's it's and and I mentioned it before, but I want to just again mention Patrick Doyle's music. I think is a very big part of what makes this so powerful. It's just kind of it's definitely sort of sad and but it, it's it feels contemplative to me more than anything else. It feels like you know these are people who have just experienced something completely outside of their ken, completely outside of their their frame of reference and. They're they're having different experiences. It's tragic to some of them, to, to, to Jane more than anyone, but they're all just sort of like, you know, pondering at their heart to to make a biblical reference of like just just trying to take it, take this all in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that stood out to me was the walking across the watermark afterwards.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, Will. Well, we talked about the Discord. You mentioned your podcast a little bit uh, yesterday, but tell us more about the podcast. Like what was the kind of stuff you and Steve get into?
2: Yeah, uh, it is a... So it's called Hype is My Superpower, and it is a weekly podcast where Steve and I talk about the books or comics that we read. Um, not to say that comics aren't books, uh, that we read in the previous week. <laughs> um uh, I say books also because Steve just we just finished um, going over this novel that uh, Steve has been reading and has read like five times. It's called Nomon. Um, it's kind of a mind f, and it is an amazing read for anyone who is interested. The first couple chapters are kind of weird, but it all starts blending together. Uh, I talk about Marvel comics. Um, I read any and all uh, mainline six one six Marvel, and then some alternate universe marvel stuff uh that is my pride and joy i've read maybe two dc comics in my life and i guess i'm going to be reading a little bit more uh <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> with matthew <laughs> but um but yeah so we it's it, it uh it comes out every like thursday-ish friday-ish um depending on our editing schedules and um yeah t- take a look uh, it's on like every podcast platform hype is my superpower
0: yeah, definitely check it out. Um, I'm someone who, has, as I've said a couple times on this podcast, I don't read comics very often. What I think I like about your podcast the most is, I'm, I'm sure if people have read the comic, they get so much more out of it. But for me you all do such a good job of summarizing the story at the beginning that I feel like the, there's never a moment where I feel like I am left out of the conversation because I haven't read the thing that you're talking about. And to me, that's just such a great thing to be able to do. So, check out that podcast. Of course, check out all the other great podcasts here on the Next Real Family of Podcasts. Um, so much great conversation happening about different movies and different perspectives and things like that. And most importantly, though, um, to our fans, you all make makes this happen. So, thank you so much and
1: have a great day. Thank you. Until next time, true believers.